Our gospel lesson for today, the fourth Sunday after Epiphany, comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, throwing him into convulsions and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed and kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. People of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. There's a movie that came out back in the late 80s called Beetlejuice. Maybe you remember this. It was an odd, very, very dark comedy. It might even be considered borderline horror comedy, although I think that's a bit of a stretch. But the whole premise of this movie takes place or has to do with the afterlife and the spiritual realm and ghosts and kind of all that creepy type stuff. There are two characters, a husband and wife, who very early on in the movie, they're actually killed in a car wreck. And then in the afterlife, they haunt their old house, which has been bought by this new very strange family. And in addition, there's this other character, another ghost named Beetlejuice. That's where the name of the the movie comes from. He's been dead a whole lot longer. He's been a ghost for a whole lot longer. And he specializes in in hauntings and and, uh, possessions and all these really creepy things that we tend to associate with, with ghosts and the ghost stories. And in the end, he's doing just that. He's, he's really on the scene tormenting all, all of the other characters. But what you need to know about this character is that for the, most of his existence, or as, as a ghost, he is stuck in what they call the spirit realm or the nether realm. But he can exit out of the spirit realm and come into the real, the real world. And to do so, you have to say his name three times, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And then likewise, if he's in the real world, you can send him back to the nether world by doing the same thing, saying his name again. Now, in that scene that I described at the end when he's sort of terrorizing everyone, they're trying to send him back, and there's one character who stands up and starts to say his name, Beetlejuice, to send him back again, and he freaks out, and somehow he makes it there be a zipper across her mouth. And then she, she unzips it, so it allows her to open up her mouth again, and she says it again, Beetlejuice, and he freaks out again and somehow manages to have this metal plate like stuck over her mouth that she can't, she can't pull it off, she can't remove it, so now she can't talk. She is silenced so that he can continue to do what he's doing. Now that idea right there is where I'm connecting this strange, strange movie of Beetlejuice back into our gospel lesson, this idea of being silenced. Because Jesus does that today. Now, this is very early on in Mark's gospel. It's actually a continuation, a direct continuation for where we left off last week. Jesus is just beginning his public ministry, and he's doing so around the, the, the community of Capernaum, as we hear. Now, in this situation, he's gone into the synagogue on the Sabbath day to teach, to do some public ministry. And what I love is that this is the first example of his public 
ministry. And in doing so, or in this example, he is showing authority that he has over everything, including unclean spirits. What I really appreciate about this is, is that Jesus comes in and right away we begin to hear about a difference and the people who are there recognize that there's something different about this guy. In fact, we hear right away as he's teaching, as he's preaching, as he's sitting there in the synagogue on the Sabbath day teaching them that they recognize that he's different. This one speaks as one with authority, not as the scribes. Now the scribes, let's go a little, little bit of a side note. Who were they? Well, the scribes were the, the, the religious experts. They were the ones who knew the law and the, the Jewish scriptures and the prophets, all of that. They knew it up one side and down the other. They knew all the ins and the outs. They would have been the equivalent of, of like the teachers or the seminary professors, or, or I might even call them the equivalent of the local pastor. They preach and they teach and they do so, but the authority that they're using is different because theirs comes from something else. The authority that, they're, that, they, that they utilize comes from their scriptures. And that's not a bad thing, but that's the basis for their teachings. It's their understanding, their interpretation, their, their, their way they've been taught about how all of this works, that's how they teach. But Jesus, he's doing something different because Jesus is the authority. He teaches as one with authority. Well, what is this authority? To answer that question, we have to remember who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who is both man and God. That which is fully divine has become that which is completely human, both at the same time. And the one who literally spoke creation into existence is the one who's standing in their midst teaching. That's where the authority comes from. And that voice of God, the same voice that literally said, let there be light and there was light and then let there be land and there was land and let there be animals and let there be plants and let there be people. God says it, it happens. And that same one also has something to say when they encounter something today. As Jesus is proclaiming this, as Jesus is teaching them and astonishing them with his simple teachings, we hear that in their midst, here in the synagogue, on the Sabbath day, there's a man with an unclean spirit, one that somehow torments him. Now, we don't know what that unclean spirit is. We have all kinds of theories, and one person might tell you, well, maybe this is what it is, and somebody else might tell you, well, this is what it is, and we don't know. All we know is that somehow this unclean spirit hinders the good existence of this individual. And Jesus notices, and Jesus does something about it. Now, just like Beetlejuice did to that other character, silencing them, that's what Jesus says. When this, this unclean spirit also recognizes him, recognizes an authority that's greater than it is, and it says, what do you have to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? And it's crying out. Jesus says, be silenced, and it listens. And then Jesus says, and come out of him, and we hear that it shakes him, it, it throws him into a convulsions, and it cries out in a loud voice, and then it comes out of the Whatever is going on in this moment, Jesus is taking his divine authority, his divineness, and is taking action against that which is hindering the good ex existence of this individual. 
whatever else might be going on, whatever this unclean spirit is, somehow it seems to cause a hindrance in his life. And I'm sure it hinders the relationships that he has with his neighbors and with his family. And, and somehow, whatever it is, it's making him somehow less than. And yet, Jesus, his great love is on display when he sees this situation and he does something about it. That same authority which he has had on display, which he teaches from, now he exerts it over that which is of the spiritual realm. And that, folks, is a good example for us to consider. That divine authority is way bigger than we are. It's way more than we can ever hope to attain or ascribe to or any of that. It's bigger than we are. And it also points out that there are forces at work that are also bigger than we are, but that God is bigger and that God is more and that the very voice of God proclaims with authority over them and they have to listen. What I think is important for us to recognize and to remember in this moment that this isn't just some simple exorcism that Jesus does to cast out a demon, but the setting is important. Remember, it's the Sabbath day and they're in the synagogue. It is their holy day, and they are in the holy place of their community. And that unclean spirit, whatever it is, it comes in with the man. It does not respect that holy spot, that, that place where God apparently should be, and that, that, that it has to stay out. It comes in with him. And I think that's good for us to remember, because those things that we carry, those things that are somehow active, whether we're aware of it or not, to hinder this good existence that God desires for each one of us, we carry them too, and they do not respect the boundaries that we think they should. Whether they're coming in with you today into this digital area that we are sharing together, or whether they come in with you into this physical sanctuary where we gather, it happens. And I experienced an example of this just a couple of days ago when an individual came into the church and we were talking, we were having a conversation and I could tell something was going on with this person and that she was upset about something. And as we talked and she wasn't really saying much, finally I asked her, I said, is something bothering you? And we talked a little bit more and we talked a little bit more and, and she revealed that she was really struggling with a lot of tension around the, the, the topic or the theme or the reality of racial tension and racial inequality in our society. And as she talked about it, she shared the struggle that she has and the, the turmoil that it causes for her and, and, and the pain that it causes for her and, and the way that she just can't quite understand it and it feels bigger than she is and she doesn't know what to do about it. And as we talked a little bit more, just identifying it, she began to say, you know, even just talking about this a little bit is kind of helping, to, helping me to feel a little bit better. Now, that's a tiny example of how just the power of saying and naming this thing that holds sway over me helps us to begin to move past it. And folks, whatever it is that Jesus was up to is way bigger than I could ever hope to accomplish through a, a simple conversation. Jesus literally takes action simply by saying it, and it is done for this man. Because Jesus, who is God made flesh, who is the divine in the body of a human, who is fully human and fully divine all at the same time, puts that authority over everything up against that which has to listen to it. And that is the promise for us 
the promise that we too are claimed by God and that God has already taken action somehow through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus to overcome those forces that are at play that hinder that good life and those relationships that we are a part of. That promise that was made real for that man in that day is the same for us as well. That claim of God upon each of us is that's my beloved child, one in which whom I take delight, and God will act in a way that protects us from that which hinders us. There's a term for this that I tend to think of. When a parent sees something happening with their kid and they, they take action, we call it mama bear or papa bear. And I can only imagine that whatever else was going on, that the mama bear of God was acting in the, the interest of this individual and taking that unclean spirit and say, that's my kid, you're done, get out. That same action is what God is up to through Jesus. Now, his ministry here in Mark's gospel is just starting with where we're at today. This is the first example we have of his public ministry, and it is a display of his power over that which hinders the life of beloved children. And that is a promise for us that I hope we can take hope in, that we can hold on to in these moments that are hard, because folks, let's face it, we've said it over and over and over again, we are in the middle of hard stuff right now. And even though, yes, there is good stuff that gives us hope and there is light at the end of the tunnel and maybe we are taking some good steps forward, we are not out of it. And even when all this COVID stuff is behind us, there's still going to be stuff that we deal with in this world. Because this world, good as it is, has not yet come to the fulfillment that God intends for it. And likewise, we have not yet come to the fulfillment of that good existence that God desires for us too. Whatever it was that Jesus was doing, he was bringing it towards completion. And I believe when he says it is finished on the cross, that work is done, even if it's not fully realized yet. So may we hold on to the hope that has been given to us that no matter what might happen, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of the one that claims us and the one who is willing to tell a demon, be silenced and get out. That love of God is expressed through Jesus for you. May you hold on to that hope.